0: I'm Charlie Taylor.
1: I'm Ben Carter on Hip Hop by the Numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger
0: picture. And I am director of The Fifth Element, where I highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge. Whether you're high or low, baby, whether you're high or low, you got the digging in the digits. You got the digging in the digits. It, it, it. <laughs> Dig on it. 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 It.
1: it! 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 You know I love your falsetto.
0: <laughs> oh, you're, the, you're the one and only. Hi Ben, how's your week been? And what have you been to this week? Uh,
1: this week I got into Zaya Bells, who's listening anyway. So... Ziya Bell is an L.A. singer-songwriter who lists Erika Badu, Whitney Houston, Jill Scott, Ella Fitzgerald as her influences, and she's a songwriter, and she's worked with a few artists behind the scenes. I found her through my usual release schedule research. I'm really happy I did because, you know, her writing credits extend to artists like Zaytoven, T.I., Too Short, Mr. Fab, Snoop Dogg, so it's hardly surprising that Who's Listening Anyway is just stacked with ideas that are brilliantly executed. Uh, I Think That I Love You. She brings forth this really warm energy and she allows the music to build around her. And then she drops in with these like really cool smoky vocals that permeate the fog of the, the instrumental. We get a straight up banger uh that could have been on planet her by doja cat we say my name sugar water is like a traipse back in time through her come up by celebrating the success she's achieved thus far but i think it's her relationship songs that really set her apart like on fuck that she really taps into that ex energy of moving past a relationship but still wanting to throw some passing shots at your ex-partner take it or leave it she actually drops into a really cool rap cadence and she asks a lot of difficult introspective questions. I deeply appreciate these kind of albums from artists who have experience and knowledge, but also time and distance from their more youthful, exuberant years, because they're delivering narratives from like a place of growth. And growth and maturity sound like buzzwords and they sound like attributes that toxic people assign themselves on dating apps because they are. But they're not particularly glamorous. You know, growth and maturity kind of suck because you have to be accountable and you have to take responsibility and that kind of sucks too and a lot of people don't want to do that but zyabel laces this record with plenty of those traits and they they're not forced on you you know it doesn't sound like she's forcing this on you and i like that a lot it's very listenable i had that on yesterday i was uh driving around with my friend and we were just listening to it the sun was shining it was, it was a great record and it was a great experience um, and the second album is Sea Scripture: The Six Elements. So before I dive into this review, just know that this project is actual fire, and despite C Scripture being family to me, I wouldn't come on here and tell you to go listen to it if it was trash. But Sea Scripture hails from Malawi, and this is a man who taught me so much in so little time. He taught me the value of patience and perseverance and of passion. He's a rapper who adores music so much, that he saved up for 10 years before he could buy his first microphone it takes him two years to save up the money for a music video this man is just the definition of dedication and i feel like he's been getting better with each project more accomplished and more adept sketchy notepad was probably my favorite that came out in 2020 but we get the sixth element which is produced by self-defense and i need to beat him up first because holy fuck. Like, I remember C-Scripture playing me some stuff off this a couple of months ago, and my fucking phone speaker was melting. I was like, where are you getting these beats from? I thought they must be, he must be rapping over instrumentals from the bap era that I hadn't heard yet. But, like, the sampling, the bap is so on point. It's like listening to Large Professor or Pete Rock. It's unbelievable. And if you're going to choose project proje- production that good, um... You can't just wander onto the track and drop a few mid-tier bars. You know, this production is crisp and cutting, and C-Scripture skates, like genuinely fucking skates on these songs. This stuff makes me emotional to know how much time and energy and money he's invested in himself, and to see that vision come to fruition, to see him now fully in his artistic prime and capable of executing exactly what he set out to do. There are a few things more beautiful than that i think in music um i think the lyrics are less vulnerable than his prior work more focused on that art of that 90s style you know the similes the confidence the grittiness in the delivery but then on that 1980s time of being uplifting and positive uh motivational expressive there aren't heaps of rappers doing what he's doing right now you know the griselda renaissance is pervasive but Griselda, Freddy, Freddie, uh, producers like Conductor Williams, Alchemist, Daringer, Madlib, Nicholas Craven, these aren't the same as DG Premier and Large Professor. You know, it's a different kind of energy. I don't know a lot of people who are rapping over genuine 90s bap right now, like Dave East, Styles P. You know, Kiss isn't even doing it at the moment. So, C-Scripture is giving us something you're not getting anywhere else right now, or not a lot of. And he has that he has that hunger and that youth and that energy and that drive. This is just off the passion, man. It's all there. And to me it makes him deeply compelling and absolutely worth a listen. Plus, is a great person, so um I wholly recommend that project. Uh I've been banging it. It's six songs. It's not that long, it's twelve minutes or something. Just just give it a go. It's, it's fucking good. But that was me, Charlie. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, so I going into four projects. I want to get I want to get one more in by uh... I just lost track of time. Um, so yeah, I started off the week with Mungo's Hi-Fi Antidote. I remember my boy, shout out to D throwing me uh, this track uh, with uh, Mungo's Hi-Fi and someone else. I should... <laughs> okay, I keep trying to like do this thing while I'm telling the story, though I totally forget the names. Um, I'll get that in a sec. But yeah, he'd asked me a track, and it was just like this uh, just absolutely boss, just like reggae track, nice deep bass, and it had this woman on it, uh, just f- fucking going in with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I decided to, you know, I saw jump up quickly, uh, with, uh, Among Us Hi-Fi and Soom-T, shout out to Zoom t um, yeah, so going to Antidote, um, and yeah, it's basically, um, if, if you haven't listened to Among Us Hi-Fi before, um, it's basically just like a sound system, Glasgow based based in Glasgow, um, but yeah, it's just like, just some banging, just thick quality reggae, you know, dancehall elements, right, and it's just, boss sound system production you know just oh it's just it's just nice hella nice, uh real 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 good vibes on that one uh aaron taylor what do you do gold edit i'm gonna see this guy next week actually um i've got a costume to see him on when uh, on next wednesday um so i'm gonna be looking forward to that i've seen him a few times live he's just great um superb r&b and yeah this is just like a basically um you know just a just a re-up on a couple of tracks from his um from his album Icarus from last year, one of my favourite projects of last year. And uh yeah, he just has uh Flowers with Che on a remix. Uh he has a a tank of of Tank and the Bangers fame uh on one on one track. Alright, quick trying to get the name. And yeah, he, he, yeah, just basically remixes um of a of a few of the of few of the tracks uh, which uh just, you know, can't compl- can't complain about at all. Uh, yeah, so What Do You Do? So I think an original track uh, with uh, House Gospel Choir and uh Terror in a Tank Ball. Um, and yeah, yeah Drowned in Your Love with a Cartel, um, very Afro Beats uh, uh, edit on that one. Thoroughly enjoyed that one. So yeah, Solid DP. Shout out to Aaron Taylor. Can't wait to peep you in a, in a week. No relation, by the way. Um, Silk Sonic, Evening with Silk Sonic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh gosh, I, I, I really, I really wish they dropped this in August. I really do. Like not, not even just because, like, f- for no, no negative reason. I just wanted this before. Like, you know I mean, and i I want. It is worth the wait, but I just really wanted this in August. I feel like I would, I'd be way more into this than I already am. I'm really into it. Like, it's a great album. It'll, it's automatically, you know on the long list album of the year, tr- uh, on that, on that's facts, um, endlessly replayable, um, leave the door opens, absolute tune, I love Boosie Collins, just coming in and out of here, uh, just that iconic voice, iconic voice, moment. It's, it's, it's beautiful, um, triple seven, skate, smoking out the window, Hercules, Hercules, and, uh, Fly is Me, just, oh, God, what a hook that is, just absolutely crazy, Ah, just want <laughs> it's, just, it's so so freaking nice! It's it's it's, it's great! So it's, it's a wonderful album. Uh, well worth the wait. But I do wish I had it in August because I just, I might mate, just I just I just prefer the August heat to have this kind of track to for shouting. I deserve to be with somebody as fly as me. It's just, oh. Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. Either way, it's a it's a banger, regardless. And lastly, uh irreversible entanglements, open the gates, who I just saw uh as I record this last night. Um and yeah, they're just absolutely uh <laughs> they're just they 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 are so testing. Uh if you've if you've even if you're like a jazz fan, um if you've never been into jazz, like this is not a this is not a gateway. This is not a gateway band at all. Um, I love the descriptions they give on their work uh, on Bandcamp. Uh, for this one, they've put uh, uh, ethereal shards of jagged onyx, a melancholic exploration of the post-colonial debris that surrounds us. Let's, let's watch and listen as this platter snakes through the sandy ashes of possible histories, dialogues with a nervous present and asked to be birthed into a holographic new future. What? <laughs> It's so wacky, man! It's so freaking wacky. Um, but uh, there's another term here. They put agit jazz, so agitating jazz, and that's pretty much it. That, that's that's kind of what the uh, simultaneously pre and post apocalypse uh, bass lurches in a trance out loop. It's just, it's just so chaotic. And I really, I, I you know, sometimes you just have those chaotic, that chaotic music. You know what I mean? Um, for me it's like this group you know and uh, i came I, I went into there when i saw him live yesterday i was just like i need this I I, I I need some i need some chaotic just shit just screaming at me you know um you know just shout out to, shout out to the band, man, like uh, a Ayua, a a a you are a you are uh or more mother as a as a, she was also called um as a just just po just giving spoken word poetry, just banging through that. Uh, Kia Nuringa on saxophone, synth percussion, Aqu- a- a- I don't know if it's Aquiles or Achilles Navarro on trumpet synth. I remember listening to one of his albums. That was really good. Uh, Luke Stewart on double bass. That was really good, the double bass. He was banging. He was strumming that shit. It was crazy. And, uh, and Chester Holmes of uh, drums as well. Um, they they did not stop, bro. They did not stop. I've never seen a band not stop. They did not take a break. Like, gee, bro, it was crazy. It was absolutely stupid. Like, I how consistent how they were just consistently going from like song to song and because their music is so um uh so agit ag- jazz right and it's so uh wacky um and i don't want to say all over the place because that sounds uh that, that gives off like um you know negative connotations but uh just wacky right um and different uh you just don't know when the next song is actually <laughs> beginning and the next one and the in the song's ending uh, I love that blend and it just keeps going and going and going until they just finish up for after 90 minutes. It was absolutely wonderful. And the album itself is really good. Um, there's one song that goes on for like 20 minutes and that's probably my favourite track. Um, I think it's, uh, yeah, Water Meditation. I uh, really love that track. Six Sounds. Uh, um, More Mother just goes off on that one. And just keeps saying, six sounds. It's just... Is is boss anyway. Um, so yeah, that's uh, what I've listened to. And with uh, well, that said, we shall get into the topic of this episode, which is a new volume of Contemporary Cool. I'm I'm still to, to this day still proud of uh, naming naming the, this series that. I love that name. I don't know why. It's, I think it's um a a term for interior decorating, but um I don't know. It just works. It just works. It's contemporary. It's cool. I keep saying this every time we do it, but I'd. I'd <laughs> <laughs> I'm really fucking proud of it. I like naming shit, man. I really do. Like I like naming sh- people's scripts and shit. Um, and people go like, "Oh, yo, I need a- it. Need- I don't have a name for this." I'm just like, "I got you. Give me, give me some details. I got you. I'll give you like five names in like two minutes." Um, so this is volume five. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't listened before, we give uh, two albums each, and we basically just um, you know not just say why we like the album, right? You know, just try and give it a bit of an angle. Um, fun fun fact: uh, Ben doesn't know this, but um, but he so he knows this as soon as, uh, as soon as I say it, uh, he'll know this um, at the same time you guys do. Uh, the the angle I have for my two albums, I literally just pulled out my ass uh, when I gave it to him. Um, so, but I have managed to think about it some more and uh, add it to um, just my, um, I don't know, just journey in, um, manifestos for certain things culturally. Um, and yeah, we'll get into that when we get into that. But, uh, Ben, why don't you begin uh, with wherever you feel? Well, let's talk about
1: Janelle Monet's Arch Android first because... <sighs> Good. Thank fuck. Yeah. Good. My friend wants some to listen. Mind. My friend wants to listen to this, so I don't want to make her sit through the game. Um... So this is Janelle Monae's debut album, despite being active since 2003 when she released The Audition, which is her demo, which is self-released, self-financed. There are apparently fewer than 500 physical copies in existence of that. So if you have a copy at home, it's worth a lot of money. Now, we also got her Mm -hmm. debut EP metropolis suite one the chase in 2007 which debuted at number 115 on the billboard 200. so why should we care about the arch android and why does it need another look and what is the unique narrative around this record firstly it's a classic secondly it sold a pretty dismal 21,000 copies first week debuting at number 17 it spent just four weeks inside the top 100 of the billboard 200 before falling off the chart altogether after 17 weeks Now, Janelle Monáe was signed to Bad Boy Records, remember? Can't stop, won't stop, Bad Boy. Now, this is what she said of her signing, what was said, (laughs) sorry, of her signing in 2006. The label's chief role was to facilitate her exposure on a much broader scale rather than developing the artist and the music because in the words of Mitchell, she was already moving, she already had her records, she had a self-contained movement combs and big boy wanted to take their time and build her profile organically and allow the music to grow rather than put out a hot single which everyone jumps on then fade because it's just something of the moment this points to the conclusion of this section but i'll get to the body of the story here an opening to an interview with npr in 2010 points to what frustrates me so much about the narrative around artists like janelle Moni. it begins with this cold opening Janelle Monet is hard to pin down. So the fuck what? Okay? It goes on to say directly after this, she plays indie rock festivals and the R&B circuit. She sports tuxedos and a sky-high pompadour. And her musical influences seem to include a blend of James Brown, David Bowie, Nona Hendrix, and Croft. Like, so what? So the fuck what? This I hate this thing of that hard to pin down, that's why. <laughs> so my friends, mean, are
0: they saying that in a negative context Does they're not but like that? it's it's not necessarily a negative
1: context but it's just a stupid context. it's a pointless context it's this whole and that's what i'll, I'll get to it when we get to the end this is the that's like the the <laughs> the, the, the the center point of my whole argument um
0: right.
1: so Monet began working on a concept for the arch android many years ago right her <laughs> alter ego cindy mayweather is a key part of the narrative so on Metropolis, her debut EP, Monet was inspired by the Fritz Lang 1927 film Metropolis, which is a metaphor oh, for yes. capitalism in which wealthy individuals and business owners tower over the lower class who operate the machinery that keeps the metropolis going. Now, naturally, there is a son of one of these business magnates who is disgusted with his father's indifference to the plight of the workers and begins to rebel. Now, then it gets intense. So the son falls in love with a woman named Maria. Maria a member of the working class and the father eavesdrops oh, on Maria and his son. Now Maria is telling the workers of prophesizing of a mediator who could once and for all unite the working class and the elite and the son steps up to fulfill that role. But the father partners with an inventor to create an Android who is a fake version of Maria to unleash amongst the workforce and, and to plant disharmony and to stop this uprising But the inventor doesn't want harmony. He wants destruction. The woman that the inventor loved left him to marry the father and actually died giving birth to the son. So his plan is to use this android to motivate the workforce to destroy the machines that keep Metropolis alive, thus destroying the ruling elite and killing the father. Now the son finds this android embracing his father and falls into delirium. When he recovers he confronts the android maria who he thinks is the real maria but he actually accuses her of being a fake but by that stage the android maria has convinced the workers to destroy the machines that run metropolis which triggers a flood when the when the workers feel like the flood has killed their children they burn the android at the stake and when they do the son realizes that she is an android and not the real maria Eventually, the sun does unite the working and the elite. Now, I say all that to say that's very important to the story of the Arch-Android. Like Metropolis, which is the EP, was the first installment in a seven-part conceptual series where Cindy Mayweather is an android who is mass-produced in the year 2719 but falls in love with a human and then is ordered to be disassembled. In the Arch-Android, Cindy Mayweather is given to us as a clone of Janelle Monet with her genome stolen during a kidnapping. Androids are shunned in this world, and we know from previous installment that Cindy was sentenced to termination. But Cindy's awareness shows her how broken the system is. She is an android, but she loves, she feels, she emotes, and her android friends do too. So she is the savior of the androids. And Janelle Monae says in the liner notes of the story, it doesn't bear logical sense, but that hardly matters. And there's a beautiful article written by our very own Connor, Connor Herbert, on pile rats. Now, Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that this article existed. And I was researching and I'm reading this article. I'm like, this is really well written. It's fucking Connor. I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. So he writes Connor. He writes, yeah, it's Connor. He writes, The Drew the Jeweling Threads of Romance. Uh so Greendown is the object of her supposedly unnatural affections and revolution, the cold war in which she's caught. It interlinked in their resistance with personal love, the spark that sets the insurrection alight. Now, the concept is clearly a short leap to the dearth of individuality in mainstream music, and I guess that's why this album pisses me off so much, because it's a stunning concept, it's a beautifully packaged piece of art, it's wildly danceable and listenable if you put on mm. faster on a bad day and you're not fucking mm. flailing your limbs around within 30 <laughs> seconds then i will share my antidepressants <laughs> with you because something's going on there like you know tightrope is just as good as anything off Sir lucius left foot and that is considered a classic now once it's dragged you in with well, the pop pitchfork would disagree. wow i'm actually about to mention pitchfork but um, i'll derail the fuck <laughs> Once Janelle Monáe actually said to Pitchfork, she said, as, and this is, this is vital, as a black woman in today's music industry, it's important that people understand that we're not all monolithic. It's time that we just break past this notion that if you're an African-American female, you have to stick to one genre, one boring genre at that. Now, sadly, that ridiculous NPR opening line hampers her here. And as much as I love Connor, I have to use his words also to make this point. Because in the Paul Rats article, we all know who Jan- Janelle Monae is, but somehow it feels as though we don't. She's not a singer-turned-actor or an actor who sings, but he does say she's a truly trailblazing artist with both the striking vision and the ability to articulate it. Now, the Arch-Android came with all the bells and whistles of the major label system. Come Alive, the song was released by Kia as a fr- Kia, the car brand, as a free promotional single. And Janelle Monáe was part of the Kia Soul Collective, right? So Janelle Monáe was on Letterman, Ellen, Lopez Tonight, Carson Daly, The Monique Show. Uh, she hosted a listening party for the press at Rubin Museum in New York. She performed at the 2010 ESPYs. Will Ferrell even joined her on stage. She was on Jules Holland. She toured with Erica Bardu. She did a joint headline tour with Bruno Mars. Now I'm talking about oh, this album, the week that Doja Cat just broke the record for the longest run inside the top five of the Billboard 200 for an album by a female rapper in 13 weeks. Now that Doja Cat album blends pop, R&B, and hip hop in a very similar way to Janelle Monet, but there are market differences, of course. You know, I'm not going to say that they're the same album or the same artist at all, but. Monet would go into chart five and six with her next two albums, but her only top 75 song is We Are Young, which is her collaboration with Fun, which went number one. Now, explain that to me, and you can, but the answer is a trope that we've trotted out too many times on this podcast. An individualistic, expressive, and diverse artist who cannot be pigeonholed is an artist that sadly can't be properly marketed if you couldn't pin her down you couldn't run the numbers up and that annoys the shit out of me because i think we should be speaking about Janelle Monáe alongside Nick Minaj but we're not and that makes me sad and it pisses me off and that's why this album pisses me off because it had everything it should have there's no there's no reason why it shouldn't be like a ridiculous success like an absolute fucking world beating success and it wasn't because the music industry refuses to accept that diversity at just as Janelle Monoy said in that Pitchfork article. And that's why, you know, this album is just supremely annoying to me because it's it's amazing and it doesn't get the credit it deserves. Wait, the album annoys you because it's good. The album annoys me because it exposes a fucking uh, a reluctance or a rigidity or a... I don't know, like just this fucking part of the music industry I fucking hate where in, and that's the whole point of the album is individualism. like the androids are meant to be the androids are created so that they're all the same. They're all the same and they all do like rote work for the human race. But when the androids start to feel an emote, and display individual characteristics, they're decommissioned because they're like, no, 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 we don't want you to have any kind of feelings or emotions or independent thought. We just want you to do the same thing. So the album is the microcosm of the music industry. It's an expression of the music industry. And it annoys me that she did absolutely everything she possibly could. She did all the promos. She had all the singles. She had all the producers. She had all the artwork. The the album is incredible, but she could never break through that ceiling because it was just too diverse. No one would have done that. If she'd just done a straight album of, you know, rap, or a straight album of R&B, or a straight album of pop, it would have done way better, and that's
0: why it pisses me off. So, I want to come at a more... Uh, not polar opposite, but more of just, like, an optimistic view of it. I see... And this is the first time I've actually spun this album um, in the past week. Um, I did... I, I was initially... I don't think I knew, I knew more of Janelle Monae before, uh, before her recent acting spurt in, like, uh, you know, Hidden Figures and Moonlight, which I was just like, oh, she's just a scene stealer, right, okay, she <laughs> she bossed both films, I watched both films, um, in the same, on the same day, uh, and it was uh, an amazing day, I watched Fences at the same, uh, same day as well, that was epic day, um. So you know, I saw Janelle Monae a lot at that point, point. and then obviously Dirty Pew came out, and I gave that listen, and that was good as well. Um, I think I had Django Jane as one of my songs of the year. Uh, what songs a song that a, is! We're gonna have to put him yeah. on a pussy diet. <laughs> put him on a pussy diet. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I had done my songs the, songs of that year. So um, you yeah, no, I, I, I was I was at that point I was definitely aware of Janelle Monae, but I never actually gave Arcandroid Android a spin. Um, partly because I just saw it. it's an hour and eight minutes, I was just like, mm, I don't know, but. That's why we have these, um, but uh, yeah, I I think I come at this uh, more optimistic, and I see your point, right? I I see it, I understand it, but I I just I I feel like there's a the angst that you're bringing to towards this, I feel is clouding the fact that this album is as a as a debut album, like is kind of absurd to think about like this this is such like you said it's a very 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 ambitious piece of work it is absurdly ambitious <laughs> I, I I don't I can't even think of an album this ambitious for a first album and like and you know like you said before you know she she was she was in the game beforehand right it's not like she woke up and this was her first ever piece of work right she had stuff beforehand and etc etc right but it's still worth it's still worth highlighting that as a debut album is probably one of the best in the past I don't know let's just say, 30 years to be conservative, right? don't want to say ever because I can't think that hard, but let's just say 30 years. Um, <clears throat> and I just, I take that as what, I take that as is. I I take the, I take, I like to, in these kind of moments where, yeah, I feel commentary towards Geno Monet is very rigid um, and is very, uh... It's 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 very surface level um, sometimes, uh, and you know, I you have to ch- sometimes you just have to chalk that up to the game of these people can't uh, unless they're, you know creating a documentary about her don't really find I I couldn't imagine why they would why they would um, have why they how they could have the time to truly listen and appreciate. Um, Jino work, uh, you know, I was listening to this, and you know, it's, it's well known, she's a you know, basically a prince protege, and I got that a lot, um, throughout listening. Uh, you obviously mentioned the other genres uh, towards it. Um, I love the orchestral elements, um, especially to the overtures um, Neon Valley Street was probably my favourite track out of the bunch, uh, the, the, the transition from Faster to Locked Inside is one of the smoothest transitions to two, uh, of two songs I have ever heard, um, that was just absurd to think about, um, and the, actually the last track, which is eight, nearly nine minutes, um, but it's just absolutely wonderful. And say so you'll go. Actually, I, I like both of those tracks. Um, the longest, longest tracks of them, of the of the album. But they're just so, just lush and just full of flavor. Um, I I I, I don't know, man. I I get I get what you mean. Um, and I understand it. And I sh- I you know I can I probably share that frustration with, um, you know, plenty of artists that I'm aware of that you know have this. You know, great stuff, and you just want to shout to the mountain how great the shit is. Um, and you know, she's she got she got the critical acclaim at least, right? Um, I'm seeing a lot of five stars here, which is good. Um, uh, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I get what you mean. Um, I just feel like it's worth looking at it. As if you appreciate it, then good for you. You know, what I mean, I I don't think there's um I, there's some sometimes I, just some <laughs> some artists that are uh I don't want to say go overlooked because you know is you know pretty I'd say relevant. Um, I remember when Django Jane came out. Everyone was talking about that kind of thing, you know. What I mean? So I'm not saying she ain't r- irrelevant, right? It's not like she's underground or anything like that, wherever you want to, however you want to define underground. But you know, I've, 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 I I I would agree that I don't think we're shouting this album out enough. Um, I I don't think I saw this in any like you know end of decade list. Let's say that that would have been t- uh, that would have been um, great. Um, that i'm aware of that that, that haven't that hasn't been covered but yeah man it's a, it's a it's an amazing album and i just i just feel like uh <laughs> i just feel like your fist pumping your uh, your fist waving at uh at the wider i guess is I, I don't know would you would you consider it the wider audience or the um i don't know or like the retrospective commentators which which one, which one do you think uh see you the most
1: it's the industry. It's the industry. It's the whole thing. So I, don't, I don't necessarily think. I don't necessarily think it's the fans. You know, I don't think machine. It is. I mean, it's the thing that she was railing against on the album. It just pisses me off that like that individuality and that ability to blend genre and that ability to just be fluid and to go in whatever direction you want to go is not uplifted and championed the same way that something that is just straight generic and i'm not necessarily criticizing people who are just straight rap or straight r&b or straight pop not at all but i think she needs to be uplifted as a pioneer and a trailblazer as connor said and she just isn't seen that way in retrospect and it's not the fault of the listeners Um, it's not the fault of the wider audience because they're gonna um, parrot back what's like Delivered to them, you know, and it hasn't been delivered to them, so they're not going to parrot it back.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. Um, I see, I see what you mean. Um, I, I guess I, I guess overall, it that is the case um, as it pertains to Janelle. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about. Actually, now, now I'm trying to zoom out a little bit and trying to think about it. Um, it is, I guess. Um, it's not. It's not quite there. Um, but bro, when you're that, when you're that ambitious with your art, um, sometimes it just it, it takes it takes a while. Honestly, I I think I think that's sometimes the case. Um, you know, you mentioned Metropolis actually, um, which is. Uh, you know one of one of those one of those uh, films where i mean i haven't seen it personally but i'm aware of it and i'm aware of the many inspirations uh, that he has created uh when it comes to just even futurist design um and how uh and how that film is done from a uh from a production's perspective visually as well um it's it's done a lot it's, it's it's one of the most it's probably one of the most like top E, like in most excuse me influential films ever um and i don't know what oh, excuse me i don't know what that film did um originally you know when it dropped uh in terms of like you know reviews or reception of that actually let me look up right quick um but the original film yeah the original film it like, um
1: apparently it was lost for for decades
0: right <laughs> there you go, bro. yeah man some, sometimes sometimes uh, sometimes oh it's just um i don't know so you, you can't you 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 get so irritated just thinking about it like trying to think about trying to think why the hell have these people not shouted about this more um and yeah, there's, uh, there's uh, I, there's, bro. I, think I made, I think I made this point to you ages ago. I forget how I said it, but it was just like, you know, some people in history are just, um, you know, just get lost in the dust. And I don't think Mene will get lost in the dust. This I'm just, I just want to, you know, say that, um, straight up. I don't think she will get lost in the dust. Um, I honestly, I've, I think, uh, I think she should go, go harder. I think she should just fuck it and the. Go make a film about this, or um, or make a whole play compared to it, like a musical, because I feel like she could have the chops for it. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like she could just branch this out, and I, f- I honestly I think she's b- I think she's being too narrow minded. Let's say that I'm f- yeah. How how about that? I think she should do like make a fucking TV series about this shit, or you know a whole uh a whole play about it. Fuck it, like a whole musical thing, Tony wardwin and do that kind of shit branch it out bro branch it out cuz it definitely has the legs for it like you just explained to me the concept explained the concept to me i was just like okay did not get that but that sound that tracks <laughs> you know what I mean? so bro like just fuck it if if people if people ain't quite getting it then just keep just just keep shoving it in their face bro that's that's usually my mind about my mindset towards that kind of stuff
1: i'm just going to i'm going to leave it on this and remember that okay. we have done a contemporary cool episode on this album and I adore this album, but 2 Chains' debut album, Boats, were number one <laughs> and it sold 147k first week and is currently platinum. I'm just going to leave it at that and then we can move on to the next album.
0: Big booty. Um, all right. So, okay. So, how, how, should, I, how should I do this? Yeah. Um, Okay, so the album, uh, the first album I want to talk about is uh, Eugen Blackrock's, <coughs> excuse me, um, Return of the Astrogoth, um, dropped in twenty thirteen, um, and it's a uh, Eugen Blackrock's uh, debut album. Um, she also has another album uh, called a, uh, uh, why do I keep doing this to myself? I keep keep <laughs> saying tear myself up and then having like a complete blank moment. <laughs> um, jesus christ that's so annoying um but yeah she has a she has another album out let me get it up right quick as, as, as i talk but um, yeah and uh i'd say the reason why i bought this album up specifically because i could have mentioned i could have mentioned the other album uh anima mysterium that's why because it's a fucking hard uh name to remember anima mysterium uh, and while that's the better album um uh, it's you know it's, it's a second album and uh, it's just it's just much more. I don't know. Um, it just hits harder for me personally. But you, you can you can gather the um, the uh, similarities between the two. But um, I kind of want to talk instead about the album itself, which is a great album. Right, go listen to it. Love you can black rock. Love everything she does. She's actually performing as I speak, <laughs> supporting uh, Amadou and Miriam, um, another Malian actually um, uh, uh, duo. Um, uh, yeah, so I'll, I just I just wanted her to have her own show, um, and I'll be on that. Uh, but yeah, she's currently uh supporting uh, Amadou and Miriam, uh, who uh, did that uh Sabali, that was on the the sample of uh uh Nas and Damian Marley's Patience for those that don't know. Um, so yeah, she's right. Here, she's right here in London, right, here, like a few miles away from me. Um, but yeah, the thing I want to talk about here, my angle towards not just this album but the other album I want to talk about, um, is basically a. How how would I word this? Um, <clears throat> a kind of a theory, I guess. I, 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 don't how to, I don't know what to call it. Not a hypothesis, not a theory, but just like an idea, right? Just a, just an image. So I think of just like a, a regular what, what's that? What's that dia- What's the diagram? What's like the plotting diagram where it's just like four axes... well two axes, and it's just like a plus. I forget what that um I forget mm, what that's called. Sure. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you know, you know how like there's um, you know, the political uh, the political thingy test, and it's like you know, yeah, yeah. So like it's like libertarian, uh, you know, conservative, uh, uh, anarchy, and the other one. Um, so yeah, think of that. Just like a general plus one line vertical, one line horizontal, right? Um, and one pole. Let's just say the up is location. Uh, where you find music. Um, location-wise, not not like you know whether it's Spotify or Apple. I mean, where their location is the pertained to the artist, and how far that that artist and that song or album is from the source. And obviously, in this case, which we're talking about hip hop, U.S. M.Y. Rada Rada. Um, and then the other look, and the other pole, which, which I'll get to, in my second uh, second album is more about genre and how comfortable you personally feel that it sits in the genre you are giving yourself, right? So in my case, obviously, it's hip hop, right? So this album is absurdly hip hop. Um, it you know gives me it, you know obviously the boom bap elements are just prevalent throughout. Um, but there's also this, you know, dingy, uh, dark, uh, mystical concept um, that she has in her work. And it comes through, you know, the uh, just the old school samples and, uh, you know, just the general production of it is a very dark, boom-bap uh, feel and it's very cold, right? <clears throat> um, and she talks, you know, she talks about just the... Um, she t- she talks in a very esoteric way um she kind of she kind of comes from like the school of like a uh, MC Lie um rock, where like you know she's coming from the she's come from the diaphragm she sounds booming you know just from just from a vocal uh, sense right so she's intensely hip hop right but i don't know i'll ask you this question ben just assuming you, if you don't know do you know where the, you can black rock hails from uh south africa South Africa, good. Um, (laughs) Shows it does the research and the show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yes, so for those that don't know, she comes from South Africa, um, growing up in Eastern Cape. Um, And yeah, she has this political, um, inspired, influenced by political hip hop, um, deeply lyrical, um, you know, just into the abyss kind of um, audio that I've mentioned. But it sounds, it just sounds like hip hop, right? It just sounds like hip hop. And I find that so fascinating thinking about artists such as Yugen Blackrock, where she has this, she has this unique flavor to herself, but it sticks in what we consider hip hop. Now, obviously this, um, I haven't said this, I haven't said this yet, but this whole idea I have, this exploration theory, so to speak, is very subjective um considering what you it, it obviously depends on what you consider hip-hop right um you know if it's uh you know the bap drums whatever whatever you consider hip-hop is probably your definition of it for me she sits square in the middle or well in in okay we're talking about this in the polls she just sits square up uh up the top right so if we're going up again that's uh that's the location uh well yeah, that's a look that's look the genres on the left uh, the horizontal and the locations up top so her location is far away right is <laughs> from New York to South Africa that's far away okay so plot that wherever you feel on that axis but then the genre which is hip-hop all the way to just what you think hip-hop is and I find that so fascinating just thinking about I, I like it as a thought experiment I'm trying I kind of I'm'm I'm putting this forward as a thought experiment and I guess like as a as an addition it's kind of like a mini manifesto for myself of like how unique hip-hop is in terms of its scope and uh, regardless of where you are from you can you know do the you can make your own uh, flavor of hip-hop but also stick in the roots of what hip-hop is uh and obviously in blackrock's case she does that regardless of the fact that she's uh you know she's this, this woman from South Africa um, and uh, you know I guess I in my mind is influenced by like uh, I guess um, probably likes of uh, Chuck D for example I'm taking a guess um, but yeah it will this will come this will come more into fruition when I get to the second album but uh, you know just in general what do you think of the I guess theory I'm just gonna call it a theory for, for lack of a better phrase and uh, the album itself
1: Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's solid. When you pitched it to me, I didn't really... You know... I find it fascinating. I find the whole idea of this fascinating. Um, You know, I sent to Charlie... After he sent me this album, and I put it on. And I said, well... I'm going to have to step up my game... On the next podcast that we do for CC. Because, like, this was just fucking amazing. Like, the album is just fucking amazing. And... It's the same kind of stuff I gravitated towards in the mid-2000s. Just like super lyrically dense, like conceptually dense uh, experimental hip-hop. Um, you know, my mind immediately went to like Cloud Dead or Shabazz Palaces or Cities of eve mm. Like, you know, that experimental but that aggressive, powerful stance over Beast that really slap and... Just the lyrical content was like, you know, like Lupe level on uh what was that album that he put out after Tetsuo and Youth that there was no one, Drogas Wave that no one could understand because it's oh, just, right. you know, and
0: that was the hardest,
1: bro, but I mean, this is like, this is a lyrical <laughs> meal. These are lyrical meals, you oh, know, yeah. On, yeah, yeah. Um, on Medusa Complex, she raps i walk along the ground works of original heads that's why underground i'm covered like the news on cnn spot losers trying to hide behind the gentleman stuttering through speech impediments with minds in chaos like informal settlements i got the memory of an elephant Hear history in resonance but anyway you see it swagger equals arrogance my presence explodes into tiny diamond like particles shining like the pride of spartacus cowards only nod because they're complacent commercial rhymes is basic but you can't see me like radio waves and wireless stations. I flow from the invisible cup, immortalist swimming laps inside elixirs, elixirs rather bottle me up. This is black rock that, sacri- that sacred fires scorch. stand holding the torch to the venom of a woman's scorn, mediating traffic on heavenly staircases, Mother Nature's granddaughter synchronized to moon phases." Like, you know, this is insane. And she said in an interview to Bandcamp, I love puzzles. I love putting things together. I enjoy the research part of my job. I'm a curious person. I think that will translate in everything I do, even the style of writing, even the movies and books I love. There's something for you to figure out as the listener. Clues to a story that you already know. You're just being urged to remember it. Fill in the blanks for yourself. And like you know, this is just a deeply powerful intellectual listen. Um, you know, I would need you to explain, like, just very simplistically the point again so that I can directly answer your question because I don't think I answered it brilliantly there.
0: Um, well, you, you, well you, you said what the album, what well, you like the album, which is good, uh, so that's half of it. But, yeah, basically my idea, and it's it's not like a... It's it's kind of just like a way of thinking if anything it's not like a you know I'm trying to prove a point but it's just a way of thinking I like to uh throw in here cuz I mean you, you I mean you know for a fact that like uh I appreciate trying to think about how deep the roots of hip hop can go um and it just fascinates me um, having this, seeing an nice such as this come out of something that, uh, you know, that I don't think hip-hop could even have ever thought of if it was a person, right? Um, so the idea is basically just like uh, in one way thinking about it from a state, uh, from a place of location and a state of, I guess, um, uh, a state of roots Because if you're growing up in New York, you're going to hear hip-hop. I don't know what kind of music is heard in South Africa. um, But I can imagine hip-hop is there, right? Mm. Now it is, anyway. Um, It probably wasn't for a while. Um, Unlike something like the UK, which we'll get to in my second album, um, where, you know, hip-hop was about, as we know, since like 10 years after, at least 10 years after... Um, if not closer than when hip hop already began, so um, depending on where you are and depend, depending depending how quick hip hop gets to you, um, it, I just find that side of it interesting from a place of lo- from a point of location, uh, how uh, hip hop gets to someone and how true to it they stick to it, which is obviously that 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 gets to the subjective note of the subjective undercurrent of all of this. And then the second one's uh, genre, uh, which I'll get to uh, next, but yeah.
1: Well, I think it's interesting. I mean, in, in South Africa, apparently hip-hop ha- experienced like a real uh, sur- r- like, surge in popularity in the early to mid-2000s. Um, So I think uh, you can move to Johannesburg, I think, if I read that correctly. um. And was like an open mic and live performance host in Johannesburg in the mid-2000s. And she was actually on Hippocalypse, which was a compilation mixtape in 04, which gave her recognition throughout all of South Africa. So it was beginning to um, permeate through, you know. And I think that with regards to that, what I have found very fascinating about hip-hop around the world is, and I was listening to... Sean C., what was he talking about the other day? Or it might have been someone else. Um, and they were just talking about the, the the origins of hip-hop and how it began out of the, the struggle with the African-American struggle, oppression, racism, you know, a way to express. And I think a lot of people around the world have then taken that formula and applied it to their own struggles, you know, and what they're going through and their own uh, maybe cultural forces that they're fighting against. Certainly in Australia, our indigenous community, make incredible hip-hop, very passionate, powerful hip-hop um, about the conditions that they're experiencing. So I see that um, as kind of where that you know is in in regards to location. you know, I don't necessarily think it needs to be specific to New York or needs to be specific to what uh, American rappers were rapping about. I think it can be applied in that sense to, you know, any kind of struggle or any kind of, like, you know, uh, issue that, that uh, a group of people are facing, and that's probably why, I don't know, like, that's why it's the emotion that that links it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the specific narrative, it's the emotion and the, the power in that emotion that links it, and um, that's what I find fascinating about hip-hop, that's what I find fascinating about hip-hop from other countries as well, especially early yeah. examples of it yeah you know early examples of yeah. it Australia's is bad in that sense because like <laughs> our white artists just rap like you know rappers rap 15 years ago is trash i'm not gonna mince my words i don't listen to australian hip-hop outside of indigenous hip-hop because it's, it's trash there's no struggle to talk about there's no isn't there's nothing there there's no you know what i mean like it's just Mimicking, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. So that's yeah, why yeah. I see Eugen Blackrock's album is fucking amazing because, like, it's it's expanding and like delivering that emotion from a different perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a case for um, it, it's a case for multiculturalism on top of everything. Where you know, it, you know, while I obviously most of us listen to hip hop from American perspective um and you know it it can even obviously changes uh, depending on what city they're in right um but it just hits different when it's from someone else like just from so far away um so that's another case for it it's just more about like you know just general multicultural purposes and what they talk about and learning different things about you know other places um I wonder if like I've I've heard like Brazilian hip hop recent recently and that, that shit's crazy, um, but yeah, it, it's just yeah, it's just um, it, it's, it's it's nice, but it, it's beneficial. I feel so that's kind of why I'm highlighting it. But anyway, um, <coughs> we'll get to the third arm, uh, Penny Fonko. Yeah, uh, so we get Black History, Black History
1: Project from sci High. Now, right at the end of the blog era, right before it became the SoundCloud era, then the streaming era. So I had dropped his six mixtape, Black History Project. Now I probably learned about it through—I don't know where I learned about it actually. Like I was gonna say Pitchfork, but I don't think I—I I don't think they even reviewed it. So I don't think it was Pitchfork. Um, but I'd known about High, basically as everyone else did because he rapped, "If God had an iPod, I'd be on his playlist." So I knew about him from that verse on so appalled, uh which kind of got lost on an album full of world-ending verses. Uh, I think it would be the best guest verse of 2021 if it dropped in 2021. Now, so was initially signed to Akon's convict music label in 2009 before being co Yeah. Know. And it, it will, it, it hampered him It hampered him. We'll get to it. But he was co-signed by Kanye in 2010. Um, allegedly it was Beyonce who convinced Kanye to sign Sci high to good music. And so we get so appalled now. On his third mixtape, Jack of All Trades, in 2011, he said that his debut album was to be called Hardway Musical, Uh, but we wouldn't get his debut album for another six years until he left Good Music. So what does that mean for Black History Project? Um, Firstly, it was... Well, I think this should have been his debut album, is what I'm trying to say, and I have no fucking idea why it wasn't. And... Firstly, it was, and I think it, it gives a wider kind of uh, viewpoint of good music, but it was executive produced by Kanye. Now, normally these mixtapes are impossible to release to the public because the beats are just, you know, classic beats that they're rapping over. But these are original beats from what I can find. I have no, I find no mention of sci-high rapping over other people's beats. There are definitely a few samples, but nothing egregious and nothing, absolutely nothing, outside. The realm of a record label started by someone who repopularized sample-based production in hip hop and uses a ridiculous amount of samples per beat. So the name of the album came from soul project came from Saha's nephew, whose teacher his teachers wanted him to do a Black History project and he wanted to do on his famous uncle, but the teachers told him high wasn't monumental enough, not important enough. So uh, in an interview with Complex. He said, "Saihai said that Yeezus actually taught him that a project wasn't just one producer, one rapper with a bunch of bars. It was a collaborative exercise. So Sy said this was the first time he gathered all the producers and writers he likes to collaborate with on a project. And what we get is a genuinely cinematic experience. And in his own words, he put a bunch of interludes on here to explain the concept. But it's not particularly difficult to follow the concept on this. Uh, He opens the whole project up with This Is Black History, so I dropped this shit in February, and we get evocative titles like QE, Mandela, Napoleon, Basquiat, Barry White, Coretta, Black Pride. Um, It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, on Barry White, he raps. "...then something perspired in the early 80s. Ronald Reagan introduces to the perfect lady. If you cook it right, it's just like cooking rice." Now your pocket's looking right when you bought your first Mercedes. Now people being addicted, mama's having early babies. The streets is getting crazy, so you bought your first 380. And that's when people started dying every night. So go and sell some weed, because this shit can carry life. I'm here to bury white. And that whole song is this stunning narrative concept with each verse dedicated to a decade, and each decade laced with emotive imagery and ornate lyricism, which underpins the intensity of the message. And there are socially conscious songs that are sprinkled in, like on Mandela. Mandela. Mandela is such a great song, um, but mostly we get dazzling lyricism, like on Basquiat. He skates, flies Tuskegee, riding to my city, killing your artists. They asked me to sign a treaty. Edgar Allan mixed with Edie. I mean, can't nobody fuck with my city. When it comes to art, I'm the man, bro. The fans follow me everywhere. My Van Gogh, Michelangelo. To your girl, I'm Vermeer. Shorty, come here. Let me put these pearls in your ear. And they're like, bro, come on now. Like, this is not lyrical, miracle, spiritual shit. This is just like, I love this shit. I love this fucking record so much. And there are so many lyrical references in here. Like, he references mm. Punk Drunk Love by Common, which had Kanye on the hook off Universal Mind Control with his Study Abroad bar on Huey. He yeah. references Where I'm From by Jay-Z with the open couplet, and the whole verse parallels Jay-Z's, including Who's the Best MC, Cy High, Stacks or TI, which is a weird triplet. I mean, I don't know. That was a weird one, especially in uh, 2014. Um, he throws a Kanye reference in when Ye wrapped My Presence is a Present on... Be great, Sci High Raps. My presence is better than any gift under the Christmas tree. That's just a tiny sample, man. I wouldn't say he's as prolific as Mac Homie with the lyrical references, but they're pretty stacked. Now, the thing that confuses me about this record, Sci High dropped amazing videos for these songs. Mandela is such an epic song, epic beat, epic sample. The video is stunning. Uh, very Kanye like with Sci High all in white at one point with the sky above him. Very reminiscent of Touch the Sky. Napoleon has a video. Huey has a brilliant video. He promoted the tape on Sway, Complex, few other outlets. High split with Def Jam in 2015 and allegedly with Good Music in 2017 before the release of his, his debut album No Dope on Sundays. Now let that sink in. This is a man who was nominated for five Grammys for writing credits on Kanye songs. He didn't drop his debut album until he left the label. And sign with Sony that's wild as fuck so I said I had four deals on the table after I left Kanye and Def Jam Kanye's family but everything that's done with Kanye has to go through Def Jam so I'm over at Sony now I did that situation over there it took a year year and a half to finish it all up it was never a breakdown with good music it was the fact I was signed to Akon prior to being signed to good music the thing about me was I had a situation at Def Jam already. They didn't like the music I do, I was doing because I wasn't doing trap. I was doing traditional hip-hop. And that was a little unorthodox for the city I was coming from. So, bro, man, like, and, you know, that the Akon deal was the the thing that hurt it. And I don't, like, I, I don't see it as Kanye's responsibility because Kanye has proven time and time again That's not a responsibility that he's interested in handling. It's silly for anyone to expect him to. Good music began in 04. It's not new. Really though, GLC consequence. This is not his forte. Now, the issue is clearly the overarching label, which is Def Jam. If Si High could craft a deep concept album over original beats with Kanye executive producing with videos and press runs, all independently and based off the strength of his name and connections alone I see only one reason he didn't charge for it it's that he wasn't allowed to and what would size career look like if he were allowed to release that commercial project instead of as a mixtape black history project is a classic project there's no doubt about that the lyricism so displays match with his songwriting ability his ability to hear a hook and his beats is top tier and 2014 wasn't 2018 You know, we had RTJ2, Catalactica, P Ryan, Pinata, Sylvia Demo, Oxymoron, 2014, Forest Hills Drive. Now, they would have challenged a sci-high album with a couple of Kanye beats and a Kanye guest verse, but it would have sold 200K first week, I reckon, 150. It would have gone number one. We'd be talking about it to this day. Instead, we get a classic mixtape that lives on some random piracy nuts YouTube page and a that app that gathers dust on the eighteenth page of someone's iPhone four. And that sucks. <laughs> and so that also pisses me off. So both albums this week have yeah. pissed me off. But like, you know what I mean? Wonderful like it could have been could have been great, but it wasn't, and it's disappointing. Wonderful
0: imagery. Yeah. iPhone four, that was wonderful imagery. That was good. Um yeah, I feel like I, I've always I've always had this feeling about Sai High that I feel like he could he should have been I don't know signed to like I don't know, like mellow music or rhyme sayers, you know what I mean? I feel like if he was just not in the major label uh, machine, he would have it, it, i think I feel like it would have fared better, but obviously that would be lacking uh, you know, the major piece, which I guess is Kanye. But, yeah, even with that said, um, the album itself is, uh, well, sorry, the mixtape itself is, um, you know, amazing, as you said. Um, I, I I remember actually hearing a couple of tracks off this around that time, um, but I never listened to the full project for whatever reason. And I'm glad I did because, obviously, it's a great project. And I do agree with you that it would have been just uh, if it if it you know came out as a proper album with you know just generic even just generic marketing whatever you know just the you know the basic package whatever you want to call that <laughs> like a couple of videos of uh, the uh, this and this and this like a little like you know just a couple of interviews here and there Breakfast Club maybe I don't know yeah you know if it, if he did all that then it would have done fine right. But yeah, I just I I just feel uh, it, it, it it begs a question. Um, and you know we can we've answered this question many a time. Uh, is the major label juice worth the squeeze? Um, and it's different because sci High is I feel like is you know in, in career wise has been a songwriter first. And because of that, you're kind of, um, this is just me speculating, by the way, I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not in the songwriting machine, I have no idea what life, life is like as a songwriter, just wanted to disclaim that, but you know, I feel like when you're a songwriter, um, I, I, I always, I've always thought it was kind of like on an independent tip where you can just go to whoever, you know, fucks with you, right? And you know, there's, there's, there's not, there's quite, there's, there's probably no people better to be fucked with, uh, in a positive sense than Kanye West, right? Um, that's pretty freaking good to just have on your resume, just like saying, oh yeah, Kanye West like messes with me heavy. Um, but like you, like like you, like you, intimating like it, it don't matter, it doesn't. I don't, I don't think it matters. Like, just contractually, it doesn't matter. Um, so I don't know what, what, what does that, what does that, what, what, what's the, what's the currency there? You know, um, you know, you have, you have Kanye riding for you musically, um, and feels like you're good, right? Beyonce clearly co-signed him in some way saying you need to sign this guy, right? So great, cool. But at that point, you're just in the machine at that point and... I don't really. I don't. I feel like there was some navigation there. that was just. Um, I don't know. Either wasn't there at all, or he completely missed. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It it, it feels like in it, it, this. It is a bit jarring listening to this now, where I'm just like, wh- why the fuck is this not? Why why is this not like lauded more than it? More because it's not enough. fucking and available
1: anywhere. Like no one can listen to this. Oh shit. yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah,
0: I, I got I got pissed at you because I was like, why do you, why do you picture something that ain't on Spotify? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Ladi Dar, that's the point.
1: You <laughs> know, if it's on Sahai's actual fucking YouTube page, I think I just found it on some rando's fucking.
0: Oh yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I just I just clocked it on some yeah, just some YouTube channel lyric that had translator it on there. full mixtape. Uh. Yes, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was it. That was exactly it. So I don't know, man. It's, I just feel like there's it is. Uh, we could easily do a retrospective on Sci High that it could be just like one big missed opportunity, you know? Um I d I, I don't know, but if it if it if, I don't know, if he was in different circles, I feel like it would have been it could have gone better. Um but I don't know. Maybe he's fine with it and you know, that's that's uh, and maybe we're just like wishing for him wishing better for him when he's fine with it um but yeah as it pertains to this project specifically it's kind of depressing thinking about it cuz it's just like you guys can only spin this on youtube and that's that should not be the level right now yeah i agree and i think um
1: you know it's it's one of those things like once you get again i think once you get pigeonholed it's very difficult to get out of that lane and if you're pigeonholed as a rider and a songwriter, and, you know, Zaya Bell is a great example who I spoke about on at the start and reviewed her record. She's a songwriter, and, you know, my friend was Googling her yesterday, and she's like, there's not much information out here about her. It's like, well, because she's a songwriter, you know. She might be in the rooms with Zaytoven and T.I., but... And that's the thing, like, if you're cool with that, that's cool, but, you know, I don't know. I Hopefully, Zaya is cool with it, but if I think if you think that songwriter is going to be your path towards being a fully-fledged artist in your own right uh, with a budget and, you know, people around you and press runs and everything, Quentin Miller's <laughs> not doing so great. So, you know, I don't think that that's the route, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, pretty much. All right, um, let's move on to the last one. And uh, this is my uh, second uh, addition to the theory that is, um, as this point, probably a bit loose to you guys. So... Like I said, the other side of it is genre. And the album I've picked for this um, example is uh, Blue Lab Beats. Uh, I um, I don't know if it's Xover or Zover. I'm sure I'm probably sure it's, over. Uh, it's Zover. It's called Zovers X O V E R. So it's probably Zover. Um, and yeah, this is a perfect example because, funny enough, the MOBO uh, uh, nominations dropped the other day, and Blue Lab Beats were nominated for best jazz act. Now, they signed a Blue Note so that you know makes a lot of sense right on the face it's like oh right so you know duo they're on blue note records blue note records jazz you know it's, it's you know, two plus two equals four um but when you listen to the blue lab beats in general and i have extensively for the past couple of years i i uh, honestly i feel i feel like they're the best producers in the uk next to inflow um they just continually just raise the bar for themselves and just completely upgrading whatever genre they're picking in. And that's kind of the thing that's kind of the point of it on a uh, point I want to make here where it's like um, this album is first of all amazing and just super colorful um, I, I feel I, I feel like personally half of the album is like hip hop ish and then the last half is more jazz uh, more jazz leaning. Um, but you can, you can, and that's the, that's the great thing about Blue Lab. Like you can, you can make the argument for whatever you want, right? You could throw in there just an electronic group, right? <laughs> A jazz group, hip hop group. Um, sorry, hip hop duo, because groups are more than uh, are more than two. Um, you can say that all of it, right? And that's fine. And this is kind of hopping back to the conversation we had about labels and the conversation a lot of people have about labels and oh, stop labelling stuff. This and this and this. They're not. They're not hip hop. Doja Cat's not a rap Ben. Mm. Um <laughs> Bro, just stop sorry. like <laughs> yeah, in flashbacks. Sorry, sorry
1: Thirty-five <laughs> percent of Planet Her <laughs> is rap. Okay. I've got that shit memorized. Compared to? Compared to 23% of love is rage. So come on now. Just leave me alone. (laughs) All right. Fuck you now.
0: Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like I put you in a space. Uh, um, So, yeah, you know, everyone has those conversations when it comes to that. And you can have that conversation with Blue Lab. And I love having that conversation myself because I'm just like. And honestly, I don't care. I love it because it's just like. (laughs) They're doing jazz, but, like, genuine jazz. I mean, they've got Nareja on here, uh, Nubaya Garcia, Moses Boyd. They've got got legitimate jazz artists on this album. But they're also doing, you know, just electric-laced hip-hop as well on top of all of it. And it's just fucking outstanding. Ashley Francis, uh, Ashley Henry, Ruby Francis... Uh, 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 Koji Radical and Tiana Major Nine <laughs> on Sam Cook and Marvin Gaye. Right, that's it's, it's great. It expands a lot. Okay, so getting past the how great the album is because I just love the album itself, uh, and love the duo themselves. Add into the Ugon Black Rock point the pinpoint in of genre is where the where my theory comes into its own in terms of just like subjective what you think about it and how these guys take hip-hop elements that you know that it's there it's there you can see it you can hear it you can hear the hip-hop influence throughout there's just a, there's just a drum there's just a drum loop going throughout it right it's just in different ways but they also add different things you can add it. You can put it in. You could put them in the same echelon as like Guru doing ja, doing the Jazzmatazz albums, right? If you've listened to those, they're basically hip hop with jazz samples, right? It's it's and he has jazz artists on there as well, amongst other amongst other artists um, throughout all of them, right? So, you you guys consider Guru hip hop, right? Uh, I think we will agree on that. Gangstar Fame, whatever, right? RIP. Um, so. I like to subjectively consider Blue Lab Beats to be a hip hop, uh, to be a hip hop duo, or a jazz duo that just happens to do hip hop. Wherever you want, however you want to slice it, that's the f- I find that fun just for me, right? I don't <laughs> the might not sound fun to anybody else, but it's, but it's fun for me to think about this, right? And comparing it to the location aspect of it, so let's mix that let's mix that in a bit. These guys are from the UK, right? But you can see, when they do their music, you can see the influences coming out there. I'm sure they listen to Guru Jazz I'd be very fucking surprised if they didn't listen to Guru Jazz Mataz. And these guys are like 20-ish. They're like younger than me. I think they're like 21 or something, 22 uh, at this point. Oh, actually, in, d- during the album, they were like 21, I think, one of them said uh, in the outro. So, what was that, 2018. So, yeah, like, yeah near, near, near my age, around in and around 25. All right, so... Bro, they're definitely listening to some hip-hop and all of that. And I'm wondering why people... And this is, again, a question of exploration, right? That's the point of this, of what I'm getting at here. Is why wouldn't you guys listen to something of this nature and then not be into jazz? Right? Um... You know, I'm going to see some jazz shows. I saw Irreversible Entanglements the other, last night. I'm going to see uh, uh, Anthony Joseph on Thursday, I think, right? They're firmly jazz, right? Firmly, firmly jazz. But when you listen to that, when you listen to something as extreme as Irreversible Entanglements, you can get the essence of something different. And it's all, a, I guess, a commentary, I guess, I'll finish here. It's, it's basically a commentary for me on, like, how intertwined everything can be as it pertains to music, right? You, you <laughs> I'll take, I'll take yours, all right? ArchAndroid, right? Taking that and linking it to something completely different, something to a film, right? A film made in the twenties by a German guy, right? That's that's, extr- that's you, you guys can see that can see that link, and you're just like, mm, that's fine, that's interesting, right? I can be into that, right? If you're into Android, you'll probably be into Metropolis in some fashion, right? You may not be into the music or, you know, the... Is there dialogue? I'm not sure if it's dialogue. I haven't watched it. Um, but yeah, you know, you could be into that. You can you can find yourself in that, right? If you listen to Android, and you can be like, okay, I'll give Metropolis a spin, right? You can do that. So why don't people do this where they get into something like a Guru Jasmataz? but they won't get into something like a blue lab beats. I'm kind of also throwing out a scarecrow here or was it a straw man uh, here where I'm just like uh, I'm punching in the face for no reason. But, you know, I feel like there's people that that limit themselves when they listen to other things and they don't feel like getting into something else. I'm culprit of it as well. Right. It's it's penny. It's probably certain artists where I'm just like, I can't be asked. You know, and that's that's fine, right? But I just find it, it it even when I say that it is a you know being hypocritical, it does jar me thinking about it sometimes. Where I just like, guys, <laughs> there's there's some really good shit over here. Please come and see it. But they won't cross that line. They won't cross that line of what they don't consider their taste, or in this case of the plotting where they consider what they consider hip hop. You know, so <clears throat> word salad. Um, feel free to pick out the, uh, pick out what you want from that. But yeah.
1: Well, firstly, I apologise if you're listening to this and you can hear loud beats in the background. My neighbour has decided that <coughs> it's time to play. I don't hear anything. Psycho by Tech Nine. I'm not really sure. Ugh. It's eight twenty four a.m.
0: Who listens to Tech 9 at 8 in the morning? The other day, he was listening Bro, to Yellow Wolf at 5.30am.
1: Like, I'm serious. Oh, my god! He had Yellow Wolf. Imagine going.
0: Aggro Rap at 8 in the morning. Fuck. This guy
1: is just bananas. We came home <laughs> yesterday, right? We came home yesterday, and it was like a really lovely Sunday afternoon. It was beautiful weather. It was just chilled vibe. My friend and I, is strange. Sitting, he's listening to these like four on the floor, like dubstep, fucking doof doof shit. And
0: my friend is like, "What
1: kind of time is this guy on?" They hand parties. He needs to. This guy's on cocaine all the time. Anyway, um, look, I find this. I did. I didn't. Oh, yeah. I didn't enjoy this record, um, but simply because oh. I know, I know, okay. but but simply because it's just not. It, it's just not my particularly, it's not a genre of music. And it's it's not necessarily that it's jazz. That's not my genre. It's like, I don't know, I maybe I wasn't in the right vibe for it. Maybe I was, I don't know, maybe I felt like I was a bit too upbeat for me at the moment. Um, but I do find what's fascinating because, you know, when I did listen to it on Saturday night, um, I could definitely visualize myself cruising up and down the coastline with a couple of surfboards on top of my car listening to this music and very much enjoying it. Um, With regards to your more existential question, I mean, it's similar to the Arch-Android thing where like she obviously dipped out or didn't spend enough time in specific genres to capture that audience who refused to leave that camp. Uh, I don't know why something like introducing and DJ Shadow has been so inextricably linked with, if inextricably is the right word, it might not be, but like linked with hip-hop the whole way through. And we've agreed it's probably yeah. only 20% hip-hop. It's it's about an image or yeah. it's about a, a, a narrative or it's about, you know, a story. Or uh, it's very fascinating. It's very fascinating how people want to pigeonhole themselves and create an identity around the kind of music they listen to and that's it you know it's like they they're not interested in dipping out of that and not interested in being i think a lot of it is regards to image and and self image in the way that we view ourselves and the way that we believe uh, oh definitely. We want to be I perceived. can't spin
0: faster with the homies. Yeah, can't do that. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing, right? That's the thing it's it's about. Hey, guys. It's about cool points and
0: Spin is Janelle.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's like I understand it cuz I guess I was like that when I was well, I wasn't really like that when I was, I've never really been like that ever in my entire life. But I do understand it. I do understand. I've seen it happen with a lot of people. Um and I've seen you know what? I've seen it with uh, I've seen it while dating, which is really interesting because, like, obviously, I have hip-hop numbers. So when I tell people that, they assume that I only listen to hip-hop. And I listen, like, hip-hop's probably my third most listened-to genre uh, behind, like, electronic, droney, ambient and, like, folky indie rock from the mid-2000s at the moment, like Fleet Foxes. But what's fascinating is I tell people that, right? I tell people that. But it's almost like they assume that I'm just saying that because I feel like I have to. So when we hang out, they play hip hop. And I'm like, no, like we don't need to listen to hip hop right now. Like that's cool. We can listen to fleet foxes. That's all right. And they're like, You sure? I'm like, yes, that's that's normal. But like it, it's like people want to pigeonhole you, and then you feel the pressure to to be pigeonholed, and then you feel that pressure not to leave that camp because what's outside of that camp you're not sure. Like so, no, I agree with your point entirely, and um, it's really interesting the way that people will listen to to Pimp Butterfly and call it like you know hail it as a classic, but then not drill down and look at the music underneath. The lyrics and be like okay this is jazz we're, ja- we're jazz fans i tr-
0: I tried i tried that i literally listened to pimp a butterfly when it came out and then i remember around that same time kamasi washington's the epic came out um and like there's literally three hours of just non-stop fucking jazz right and at that point I was not ready <laughs> I was, uh, that, and uh, you know the epic is very dense like it's very and obviously three hours and it's very long so you know it's not exactly uh again it's not a gateway album right um whereas I feel Blue Lab can be a gateway for a lot of people um listening no just don't even it doesn't have to be this album just like they've they been dropping singles for ages right just give one of those a spin where you know you're gonna get some electronic elements, some hip-hop elements, some jazz elements, you're gonna get all of that. And you know I that's why that's why I enjoyed drum and bass around the, you know around the early 2010s because I can make that link' uh, it's, it's, it, it's, I wouldn't say it's easy, but um, you know when you find the right thing, it, it only takes one bro. It only takes one. it really does only take one. Um, you know, for jazz, Terrace Martin really was that for me. He's not like you know, out and out jazz. He does R and B as well. You know, we've I've talked about that several times, right? He does a lot of stuff um, and dabbles in a lot of things. Hip hop, obviously, as well. And he's a saxophonist, He has several saxophones. If you want to donate one, Terrace, let me know. Um, but you know, it was kind of a gateway for me. It was it was just easy. It was just, it was softer. It was simpler. From a jazz perspective, it was softer and simpler. Um, you know, but, and, and then when you can go, when you can go with that, you can get into something, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, a Theon Cross, for example. Right. So I feel like, and I'm trying to think this from a hip hop perspective, right. I'm trying to think of what is, what, what the gateways are for people. Um, and how hard is that? You know, um, obviously people make, you know, a lot, a lot of people love making the rock and hip hop connection. I still can't do it, bro. (laughs) What do you mean? I still haven't been able to do it. You can't. You haven't got that gateway. I haven't got that. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't had that gateway yet. I haven't had that gateway. And there's so many people that I've, you know, I've tried it with, you know, Chuck D's done it. Obviously the Prophets of Rage and stuff like that. Um, I've tried it with a few, I've tried it with a few people. Yeah, I, iced tea. Public enemy. Can't do it. I just, I just can't do it. So, you know, I say all this as a, again, as a subjective exercise, right? Some people can do it with some things. Some people could do it with other things. I can do it with hip-hop and linking it to jazz. I can do it with hip-hop and linking it to drum and bass, jungle, garage, grime, right? But I can't do it for rock, and that just it, it pisses me off. It really does. It's really annoying. It's the one thing I can't, it's the one hurdle I can't get over, um as it pertains to just my musical taste and it is what it is right it is what it is i'm not i'm not ashamed of it uh, i'm sure there's plenty of good rock out there um but then again people have been saying rock's dead for like 10 years so that's on you guys It is um, you dead know exactly it enticing ja- it me. actually it... <laughs> but that's the
1: thing you don't have to listen to current rock you can go back in time you don't have to listen to yeah yeah you know there's i feel like really. i guess for
0: me it's probably like you know going back to like i don't know like I maybe not Chuck Berry. That's probably a bit too far. But you know, just King, King, back crimson seventies you know. stuff. Like you know, maybe yeah, maybe some seventies. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if I like link it to I don't know some like maybe link it to some like I uh, I don't know it was rock disco thing. <laughs>
1: mm, not really. I mean, kraut cr- uh, so, so, There's there's, there's like a that. gateway
0: somewhere. There's a gateway somewhere. I just need to find it. But yeah, you know, at least I'm into this. Ga- you know, at least it's 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 good to get into this gateway. Right? And linking it to linking it to my thing again, you know, it, it obviously depends on your location as well, which is what I talk about the first bit. Right? If you're from South Africa, you're probably gonna listen to some hip hop right now. Or it's probably gonna be some Afrobeats, right? And what's good with Afrobeats right now is that you can easily get into hip hop off that. I've gotten into Afrobeats off Blue Lab. Right? I've gotten into Afrobeats off Blue Lab because they've just done some real good Afrobeat music recently. And I've uh, uh, even though I've known Afrobeat for a couple of years now, I I've never really been into it. Uh but then, you know, Blue Lab dropped a couple of, dropped an EP this year and, you know, it was ma- it's mainly Afrobeat, uh, you know, uh foundation and it was great. I loved it. And then I got it. I understood it. I was like, "Oh, this is what people are on about." You know? So, so you know, it, it just takes it just takes that one that one thing and uh, you know, it's highly dependent on location. It highly it's highly dependent on like the genre that you're rooted in. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably rooted in hip-hop. And, you know, it's just... Uh, I think those are good places to think about when you're trying... If you want to attempt to explore, just go via that. Just go with your locations. Maybe there's some Australian jazz that Ben doesn't know about and it's fucking great. I'm not sure. Who knows? Um, but... <laughs> that's Ben's prerogative if he wants to go for that. I'm stuck,
1: man. I'm stuck in the 60s. I'm stuck with fucking Cold The Delonious <laughs> Monk, Miles Davis. I'm stuck. I can't... Hey man, that's a, that's a great place to be stuck. I know, but like I, d- I, look, I tried Kamashi Washington, not the worst place and you know what get. I find interesting is like Flying Lotus is cool, like we, you know, Flying Lotus, but Kamashi Washington. That's a great example. Flying, can't get into Flying Lotus. Flying Lotus, but Kamashi Washington's a big, too big of a leap for a lot of people. But Flying Lotus is cool, but like
0: Flying Lotus is a leap for me, bro. Like even in that, like even in that, like experiment hip hop realm, it's very hard for me. Like I hear like Brandon and them talk about it. Cosmogrammar and You're Dead and I'm just like I, I remember listening to You're Dead and I was just like okay <laughs> <laughs> maybe if I listen to it now it'll be different but uh, I don't know man I just, just, it was really hard it was really hard hmm.
1: I find it all I find the whole conversation around it really fascinating I think it's a great really great really great points i mean even if we take dj shadow as an example he was trying to be that gap he was trying to like bridge that yeah, gap he yeah. was trying to be that bridge like he was saying on uh, and he
0: did well with it yeah he
1: did well on his last album i think his last his or well, his double album was a silly way of doing it he's like i wanted to make a you know electronic and a hip hop album and then have them listen to have one Group of fans listen to the other. I'm like, that's not going to work at all because one group of fans is just going to listen to the, the the you know their album, and the other group of fans are going to listen. Yeah,
0: switchy. Switchy. What I did, I listened to first, oh, I, did, I listened to both, but then I was just like, okay, I, I definitely prefer the second one. So. <laughs> As a
1: fan of both genres of music that DJ Shadow exists in, he didn't do a great job at bridging them. I'm just going to say it. I think yeah. his best job was on introducing, and I don't think he ever got anywhere near that again for the rest of his career. But I certainly admire him for trying. Ah, uh, yeah man i think it's uh you, it's an uphill battle it's an uphill battle because you, even even with kendrick doing to Pimp a butterfly he's not necessarily gonna do five to Pimper butterflies he's not gonna like really i think the the like repetition is the thing that breeds that familiarity and that begins that like okay this is who i listen to now this is the kind of music i'm into now and I don't think you can do it with one album. And so that's why I think you can for some people, but for the majority, I think it takes like multiple projects over multiple artists for them to be like, Oh, this is the sound I should go check this out. You know? So yeah, I think it's a great point you make for sure.
0: Yeah. So you have a lighter note Always finish up there.
1: Um, do I have a lighter note? I don't really have a lighter note this week. Um, what's been happening on twitter and instagram not much i'm almost about to hit 200k on it, on twitter so bro i fucking hate okay, there you go. i hate social media so much man when i hit 200k i'm i think i'm going to dip for a while like i think i'm out i just need some some time off from just
0: just people that December off bro that December off is looking tasty yeah bro.
1: my duo day people just fighting all the time and it's like oh you guys shut up yes. stop it like come on man like people attacking me all the time for silly shit like you know someone was attacking me the other day for I asked Eminem M- M- it was a Marshall Mathers LP or something and I said do you still spin it And someone was like, this count only ever does this for Eminem albums. They only ever ask, do you still, I'm like, bro, I've done it like a thousand times. I'm doing it every, and that's just, oh bro, you can't even imagine. People DM me shit, and they, they they light me up in DMs. I'm like, this this album from 20 years ago, do you still spin? (sighs) Of course I still spin it. What are you talking about? I'm like, No, no. and then no, I was getting getting hammered for. I was getting hammered for saying that uh, asking who would beat Kanye or who would hang with Kanye in a versus. And I said, I did not think Eminem would hang with Kanye in a versus. And boy, did I get lit up for days after that. But I was like, bro, no one's trying to kill you in a versus. You know, like, look, I love Eminem's early stuff. I'm not trying to sit here and be like, oh, I love Eminem. I, I love I was fucking white in Sydney. Eminem was our was the Bible to us like that was you know without me. yes, we've all heard it, you know uh, but like come cheer, on now. Cheer. come on now we, we're gonna put like without me up against like all falls down are we gonna put like uh I don't know my name is up against Jesus walks. Hi, my name is hi. My name is Slim Shady versus Jesus Walks. Like, am I am I completely out of pocket in thinking that that's not a matchup? Am I just being ridiculous?
0: Oh, no. Tiroz, you actually asked it a question. Yeah, no.
1: People haven't listened to Kanye prior to Life of Pablo. Come on, guys. Like. He dropped, like, four <laughs> album, five albums in a row where every single song is an anthem in 2021. Like, it's just... It doesn't... His lowest stream song on College Dropout is two words, and it's like, that's a fucking amazing song. Like, holy shit. So, like... Look, it's no disrespect to Eminem, man. I love Eminem, but come on now. I'm, I'm saying that I don't think Jay-Z is going to beat Kanye West. I don't think... There's not many artists I'm thinking is going to beat Kanye West in a versus. You can't just say that that's Eminem hate. That's Jay-Z hate. That's Nas hate. That's Dr. Dre hate. That's 50 Cent hate. I'm hating everyone, apparently. Like, I don't think there's anyone who's touching Kanye in a I just don't think there is. That's my opinion. I think it's cool to have an opinion, but... Anyway, that's probably why I'm gonna get oh. from social media, man. It's just a bit of a mess out there. You can't have opinions anymore. You just get fucking hammered for them.
0: You know what, this all this all uh, just uh makes me think about uh how we have both collectively uh not even not even said it to each other, but just like hive mind, so to speak. Not even need to be said, but it's gonna take a while for, for for uh to for us to do a fucking Eminem retrospective, guys. Like it's gonna, we're gonna have to be in, yeah, like a did. real perfect perfect mood. <laughs> we <laughs> said gonna...
1: we were gonna do it, but like, look, I want. I
0: know, but I can't be. <laughs> I want
1: to do it properly. I want to do it honestly, and I don't have the. N- I know. I don't have the it's... nerves at the moment for the It's the gonna backlash. be like
0: three parts, and it's gonna yes yeah, that that too. I don't it's have like, it. It's just gonna like... be exhausting moments. It's just... Oh, gosh, it sounds like such a mountain to climb. And I need I to don't know if I'll have fun listening to it, to be honest. I need to get out
1: of my it's feelings. It's fun going
0: through a whole 20 years of backstory. I
1: need to get out of my feelings because, you know, Fantano said in a video I watched the other day, he was like, don't let fan bases destroy an artist for you. That's stupid. He's like, that's dumb. But it really is hurting my love of Eminem because people are just like being irrational in my mentions like i give them statistical fact and they disagree and i'm like look this is not hate i'm sorry that eminem is below drake on this list but like you're (laughs) arguing a point like slim shady lp is not over a billion streams yet on spotify it just isn't it's objective fact if you go on the page and go through the numbers it is not over that but you keep hitting me with it's at 1.4 billion it just isn't I don't know what to say to you. I'm sorry. It just isn't. But if you keep hammering me with that, and so that's why I can't do an Eminem retrospective at the moment because every time he comes on shuffle, I turn him off because I'm just not in the mood at the moment. I It's it's like affecting my listening experience. Um, I don't know when I'm going to be able to do an Eminem retrospective. I don't even know. Do we need to do one? Is it necessary? Is there a narrative there? Like what's the narrative? I don't even know what it is. <sighs>
0: That will be answered next time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, from the fifth End podcast, no, we're not doing it next time, obviously. Take a good time if you enjoyed this episode. I would try to tell you the fifth. I'd be numbers. Well, we hope you all have a good week. We shall always, always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, right, peace. <laughs> Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me, music for the show. piece speaks Mini Games. Plus by bonus points, thanks to Chill Records for the bit of use. Socials for the Fifth Element, Hip Hop by Numbers, bonus points, and Chill Records will be in the full show notes for every listening. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast available production, thanks for spending time with us. We to see you next time on Digging in the Digits.